You're listening to Over the Line on Galway Bay FM, the sporting sound of Galway. And you're very welcome back to the second hour over the line. And our thanks to the head of rugby development and Connacht Rugby, Joe Gorham, who was here to speak about rugby and Connacht and indeed about his own sporting life. And uh, those who know Joe will know that he has a great sporting life, loves the game of rugby union and a lot more sports besides. And uh, we thank him for coming in and we look forward to that will be online in the next couple of moments. But we we look forward to the second hour where we're going to at long last, look back at a good success for the Galway footballers. Quality of the game, we're not worried about yesterday. A win is a win in ladies' football. Unfortunately, the Galway ladies went down again to Dublin. Camogie, two great successes. The return of Galway United to the Premier League and that defeat on Friday night at Turryland Park. A victory for Connacht over Cardiff and a few other things that happened in rugby and, of course, the Premier League. And it's now early in the second half of the Monday night game and it is Everton nil, Crystal Palace nil. Everton tomorrow will find out, we believe, their appeal uh, against that deduction of 10 points. But uh, first of all, I'll introduce it to the other two members of our panel, Adrian O'Neill. Good evening, Adrian. How are things? And Danny Cummins making his debut on a Monday night. How are we now? Um, after all the mileage you got this weekend, going all the way to Tyrone. <laughs> we'll start off, uh, lads. Uh, we look at the GA scene. And Danny, you were in Tyrone yesterday. I watched the game. Um, it was a much needed win. Is it the first was. Thing I'll say. Yeah, absolutely, George. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it didn't start all that well, I suppose. It was kind of tit for tat for a lot of the first half. Gower were kind of making good inroads, I suppose, up to the far 40. And then for a while, they were kind of just running out of um, ideas going forward. But ultimately, like it, it was the hard grit and determination that kind of got them over the line. But as you said, badly, badly needed. And it really opens up the league now for Galway going forward. But it's something, Adrian, as well, that the, con- the configuration of the league and the championship the way they are now, it means you c- you don't want to be involved. Last year, we earned uh, learned uh, an expensive lesson by getting to a league finally, the latter stage of the league, and you wonder you're in championship action straight away. And it reminds you, if I can use racing terminology, of an early season 30-runner maiden hurdle in Navin where they say triers to the front. And there's about four or five off and the other 26 are on tour. You want to be comfortable in the league, but you don't want to be involved in the well, final. I think for some teams, they probably do. If It depends on where they are in their journey. You'd, like Park Joyce probably doesn't want to be in the final now he probably did in his first kind of year and was, really, yeah. that was development and that was growing and there's kind of getting a bit of momentum behind the team they have that now what he what I'm sure he wants is just stay in Division 1 you don't want to get relegated either so it's a hard balance to find between avoiding relegation and not getting promotion or not getting into the final so it's I'd say he'd be happy enough with that win another win maybe two wins should see them kind of Step around yeah, the mid. And I suppose after the Mayo game, I suppose there was probably more questions than anything else from the general public in Galway as to. And is that something that is endemic of the Galway public? We seem to judge. Do we judge our football team and how uh, we get on against Mayo lads? Well, I don't know. It, I know the, the rivalry. It's the fact that there was a goal in Mayo game, I suppose, it probably hurt a bit more because we I don't know how many times we've lost to, go, to Mayo in Galway over the last couple of years and it kind of hurts a bit more but look it's, it was the first game of the year to a certain degree but the fact that I suppose the main panel hadn't been playing in the FPD 
Um, I'd say people were kind of wondering as to what were they working on. Was it fitness? Was it tactics or what it was? But maybe they just played in a couple of hard weeks of running and we're starting to see a fit Galway going well now. Well, are we talking about maybe a team in, in progression? Because, OK, play me or lose, put, draw at Roscommon and now beat Tyrone. I mean, they are actually going up step by step. Well, yeah. Are the performances, though? The, the result, the result did for today. I think, I think it is. I think the area. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the point I was trying to get to. I suppose was that as disappointing as everyone thought the Mayo game was, like it has improved since then. Like especially in the in their performance, the fitness. Like some of the running the guys were doing yesterday, Johnny McGrath and Sean McKerns, Carl Sweeney, Johnny Heaney, the mileage they covered. So like they obviously have done work in the preseason. Now I know we picked up another injury too with Paul and Maddie Tierney. Hopefully not as serious, but I would certainly say um, the performances on the improve. They are on the improve, but at the end of the day, we were we go back to the All Ireland final two years ago, where everybody the, the talk on everybody's lips was we need to find two or three scoring substitutes that make a difference when they come on. Last year's championship, we bowed out pretty tamely. Again, we had some injuries that probably cast a shadow over the overall performance in the latter stages of last year's championship. This year. I'm not saying we come in with a clean slate, but we came in for the first time, I would say, in the history of the county, that we have a more or less a development team that played in the yeah. FBD League. And a couple of those played, lads were in the, involved in that, played yesterday. Um, young Daniel Flaherty made a fair difference from Saltail when he came in. He, he played very, very well. You know, he was involved in those FBD games. You have the guys coming back from... Singers and Juicy, it's it's a tough deck of cards to juggle. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I that, take Danny, that. And I, you come I, back from, we'll say, your own experience playing at that level. Yeah, you have to then juggle and come come back into finding a settled team with this season. The way it's the way the, the split season, you don't have that much time to look at players apart from the likes of those preliminary competitions and university competitions but yet you're expected to have a magic wand and have a team settled coming out of the league to run into championship. Yeah, that's a, all valid points to be honest because I would look at the FBD a bit different now. Look at obviously the management decided that that's the way they wanted to go with the full development squad to give guys that chance in January but I just think sometimes when you throw, it's like nearly when you're in Ted Webb and Minor and you go in for trials, everyone wants to put their hand up and do something to show well, I should be in there whereas they might be doing what's good for the guy football tactics that they want on the day so I think kind of some lads I would have expected more from the development squad in is what I'm trying to say I suppose like you have Liam O'Kneela you have Killian O'Curran I know you mentioned Daniel Flaherty but he was involved last year yes. so like have many of them I, I, I actually don't even know myself George now what's going on with the development squad at the minute like are they training alongside the main team it's a question we asked ourselves here when okay. David was part of the panel and he, he was saying he's involved he's hoping to hold them together for a number of games but one has to try and find as well and I think every other county is probably in the same a lot of the premier counties anyways would be in the same boat in that what do they do with their fringe players is there competitions for them is there a way of holding on to them in the squad because John there's no doubt in the Roscommon went going home to win the FPD league mm. and we now see them propping up division one of the, the national league yeah, it was one. It was um, actually the thing about it is um, anybody who saw the game with Dublin on on uh, on Saturday evening would have been very impressed with the likes of Derek Craig, who was brilliant in the Sigerson only a couple of days earlier. Um, okay, Dublin 
went ahead and won it by seven points in the end. But still there were some interesting performances from Roscommon players who, you know, maybe sent out a message that they might be, it would be dangerous to, to you know, underestimate them coming into the championship. Well, I want to just mention though, there's one guy we haven't mentioned yet, and that's Sean Kelly, who yep. came back into yep. the fray and, and made a difference when he came in. I mean, I think it was him who kind of set the play up for Carl Sweeney to get the goal. Uh, it, was, it was so evident when he came on, the attention that the Tyrone players... Uh, they just seen him and went from, and you know, a bit off the ball, but it's just like how he's shown welcome to the game. But he's a freak. Oh, I, don't know, I don't know how. He I, mean does that it. A, I mean that in a highly com- complimentary yeah. way. <laughs> but I'll shadow without he George. He is a guy yeah. who has boundless energy. You know, he has boundless yeah. energy, and as you say, you were there in a commentary box looking out of the game. You were there to analyse the game with yeah. Johnny Higgins. And straight away, the first to you spot is that when Sean Kelly comes onto the field to play, there's a, a, a tepid, an edginess Absolutely, in, the, yeah. in the Tyrone team. Yeah, and in fairness, like Sean is well able to give it to, like Morgan had come out a couple of times prior to that as well, and after he played the ball, he kind of followed through to just make sure he hit a tribesman before he went back to his goals. Yeah. Like Sean ran after him at one stage, and I, I, don't, know, I don't know if the cameras pick it up, whatever, but those boots and everything left behind in the tackle that he has, but that's just what he brings to the team like and everyone just rallied around him um, I think he's just it just look at it it's very encouraging to get him back um, hopefully Paul and Maddie that went off is, aren't anyway long terms but um, Paul had a Paul, it was looked like a hamstring according to the team was it, I wasn't sure whether it was a dead leg or not because Paul, he, had, he had something he had something wrapped around his tie anyway did he as, okay as, as he was as the second half the camera actually yeah. focused on I noticed in the, in the very last play of the first half he just completely stayed out of it and he could see he was jogging, stopping, jogging. So he was obviously seeing, can I run this off? Now, I suppose if it was just a soft tissue or like a knock like that, half time probably came at the worst time for him because you're not going to run that off. And if you sit down for five, ten minutes, forget but, about it. But Paul is the one guy that we seem to have that's not afraid to take a shot from distance, has confidence in himself. Too yeah. many times we see these teams play, and I'm not just looking at Galway here, other teams and it was one great positive yesterday to see the referee Joe McQuillan blow the game up when Tyrone were just looking for yeah. a free yeah yeah the, yeah, the yeah, clock stated yeah, yeah, there was four minutes he played 4.28 or something like that extra <clears throat> and they were griping and they were booing and all that but it's finally it's great to see a, a referee with the conviction to say your time is up let's yeah. because they'd have, they'd have been going over and back all day but go back to Paul Conroy he's the one forward a physically big forward from midfielder yes that's willing to take on a shot uh, there, there's a nervousness among some people but Paul backs himself but I think that's in every team there's very he's the one guy we have oh there's one guy in Galway yeah, yeah he is uh, now okay Mediterranean probably from Freeze will take them out yeah. there maybe Shane Walsh from Freeze as well but in, from that distance from open play he is the one that will always back himself um, but I think I see that with most teams they don't seem to have the confidence of players to shoot from out 40 yards from the goal we go back to Saturday night if we can lads where Mayo lots of people seem to think they were drawn into a little bit of they were fished at a dummy with Kerry they threw them back and then kicked on but Kerry when they got in and needed a score they were hell bent on getting the ball to one of the Cliffords yeah and they were at, at one stage they were on opposite wings to give that option because they were the two guys capable of scoring from distance and that's just Am I right in saying that that's what probably sets the carries that slightly higher bar above everybody else? Absolutely. I've been full agreement there because they're just, in the chaos that was the last minute in that game, they looked so in control. 
and that's the way I'd put it. Like they you, weren't watching the clock, Daddy. Not right? at all. No, and they were aware of it. But yes. look, it, it wasn't panic stations. You, every team in the country, at, when you're you're training, your trainer at one stage will say, "One minute to go, you're down by two points," and throws the ball in and sees what you do, and it turns to absolute mayhem. Or lads try things, or someone will t- try a shot they've never tried in their life. They'll have a cut at it. But Kerry, you just don't see that. Like, and even the run that before David even got on the very last ball. He had come from the far sideline. He had made a run past. Like it's when you see the off-the-ball runs he made to get it there. And as you said, they were waiting for him or Paddy or Shawnee. Turned out to be him. And like everyone in the stadium knew he was going on the left peg and still couldn't stop him. Do you know, it's just it's phenomenal, really. But you like. can be guaranteed they've practiced that those scenarios in training repeatedly. Yeah, they know what's required. They have the confidence in those three players, Shawnee. Yeah. but they've also practiced it and yes, built the they, confidence in training. They also yeah, yeah, yeah. Have something worked Adrian yeah. they know each of them three know one of us has to get on the ball yeah. yeah, and the other 12 including the goalkeeper know that we've got to devise a way of getting them two yards of space yeah. to do what yeah, they yeah. need to do yeah 100% and I actually thought just on going back to the goal again I suppose the likes of Johnny McGrath and Carl Sweeney the runs they made to make them opportunities for goal fours I thought yesterday it was just out, out of this world Johnny actually could have been rewarded with a pass back from our finish at one stage there was, I thought there was a goal on Rob yeah. took his point all well and good I suppose but on bigger days you have to if there's a chance of an onion you just got to sniff them words, out what you're saying is that Rob Finnerty would got an earful of you if you were on the field to play for that pass let's call a spade a spade daddy you won't get away that easy on your, on your debut but can I bring you also lads to Terry now the eyes the all the controversy and people wondering when the rumours started that Louth were not going to have Mickey Hart for another season and that there was a possibility he'd go to Derry um, he has gone there, they've come out all guns blazing people are now touting them as maybe a team that, that will come out of Ulster and look the best opportunity of toppling either Dublin or Kerry um, they seem to be going gung-ho for the league are they? Yeah, they they certainly are, but I suppose that back to our points at the start, are they maybe going so hard at the start now that it might backfire later on in the year? I don't know, but um, a very interesting game now next Sunday, really, I think. Uh, back to the point, I suppose, if Go need another win, puts them in, do they want to be going for league final? Look at that, you still want to win at home, regardless, I think. Can I ask a question, actually, because you know it was visually fixed for Toome Stadium. Yes. And Toome isn't ready for it, so it's been moved to Pierce. Is that a little bit of a disappointment? Because it was, you know, in fairness, I was kind of half looking forward to it being in Toome. Ah, from a Galway supporter's point of view, I think it's, it's, I don't know what's the correct phrase to put this now, but it, it's, disappointing, John, is nearly an underphrase because I'm sure the people at Toome are looking forward to it. The businesses around Toome are all looking forward to it. I don't know who took on the job of uh, looking after the stand, but like you're given a date and just you have to hit that date. Like yeah. it's it's such an important. It is, but I think it's with one. It's probably with the dressing rooms. We've all seen the videos going around, and for the people of Chum, as you said, the business people. And at the end of the day, it's not because I come from the city, but every place. If there's, if there's a county hurling game in Ballinasloe, all businesses benefit from what happens in the area and it is a huge it is a huge disappointment for the people of North Galway for Toome and everybody around that area businesses the lot absolutely that there's no game the game has to be played in uh, Pierce Stadium there was talk about the Dublin game unfortunately it won't because of health and safety and all that but the quicker they get the the stand completed in Toome obviously the better and the problems with the dressing rooms because that should not be happening whether we like it or not in any ground but going back to more closer to the point 
Galway Derry will this the way Derry are going give us a fair idea where Galway are at do you think halfway through the league and looking forward to what's going to given that we're going to be without a couple of key players again yeah well you'd certainly have to think so I suppose John was asking the question are we improving with every every game and this will be another big test as we are because I suppose it's the home games in Pierce Stadium that somehow we seem to slip up the majority of the time so now that there's a small bit of hype now that things are actually improving a small bit do we go out now and blow a gasket against Derry like or do we just keep at it put in a good performance and with five minutes to go it's a one point game either way and Dublin, time and Dublin Kerry still to come oh well time will tell yeah. but what time is doing now is catching up on us it's time for our first ad break of this hour come back to us after these you're listening to Over the Line on Galway Bay FM the sporting sound of Galway and you're very welcome back to part two in the second hour of Over the Line with myself, George McDonough, John Mulligan, joined tonight by Adrian O'Neill and Danny Cummins as we discuss what happened in the world of sport at the weekend. What's happening now? It's still Everton nil, Crystal Palace nil in the Premier League. Moving back on to Gaelic games again. Uh, good two wins to open the Camogie League for Galway and I actually throw more emphasis on the winning of the intermediate team winning because as Cahal Murray told us and other people involved with Camogie, that team has to reinvent itself yeah. when it wins at All-Ireland at intermediate level because of the stipulation. So it's great to see that. We, and we spoke about football and development squads where they go. This is improving the weaker counties in Camogie, the fact that the second teams of Galway can play in those divisions. Con- I think that's wonderful. Connor Dolan made a great point talking to Tommy actually in his interview afterwards on Saturday that you know the, what they wanted to do was to keep the players that were playing well and give them a second chance. And they went out and they showed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, okay, we have to be honest as well. Let's be honest. Claire or no Kilkenny. And the They're opposition, not, John, the opposition, you know, would have look. They scored three goals and nine points. They conceded seven points. It was a great win, and it was an important win because I think they lost the opening round game as well. But some of them players will be finding themselves in the senior panel as well for the championship. So other players have to step up and show before the intermediate championship that they can do the job. And I thought they were excellent, to be brutally honest. Which and as for the senior team, a great performance in Cusick Park on Saturday afternoon as well. Uh, a, a nice win Neve Nyland player of the match uh, Roisin Black is the new captain and has done an excellent job and Kyle Murray must be very happy one round gone one win yeah and the Galway ladies footballers unfortunately going down to Dublin I'm saying nothing <laughs> yeah I, I watched the game and I'll be very you, honest yes I am no I'm not a happy camper about no, it at no, all you, you, you made reference to the person in the middle yes and but this is I just, the first time I just, I just think I just think 8 minutes of injury time was a Bit excessive, to be very honest with you. Plus, personally speaking, what, and this is just my opinion. Clock? Well, no, I'm not. I don't know. Was there? I don't know why there wasn't a countdown clock for the game on Sunday afternoon. But what I do know is, and look, uh, maybe I'm like I said on Sunday afternoon on the air. Maybe I was just wearing my maroon glasses. But I didn't think that was a free that Dublin got to win the game, and that's being totally and roughly honest about it. Now let's be on. Let's let's. I know some people are going to go. They've played four matches. They've lost four matches. Three of those matches were without the Kilkerrant and Burn girls. Now yes. they were back last Sunday, and you could see it immediately that there was an impact from the players that came on. Uh, Nicola Ward, I thought, came out the wrong side of a couple of refereeing decisions. Why? That's down to the referee on the day. But 
um, there were some really, really good things. Linda Booth got an outstanding goal. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this publicly. I'm going to say give Daniel Moynihan a chance. It just did not happen for a couple of rounds. Let's see what, ha- what has happened There's been a lot of changes on. in that team as well. You know, there's a lot of new players coming in. So you have to give a bit of time. New manager, well, new it's a new squad. manager it's a yeah, new yeah. management system and, and Moynihan is playing a system very similar to the one he had when he was the minor manager and a lot of those girls were his girls in the minor team now Johnny Carter deserves a lot of credit as well because he had them underage in the build up to that but um, I reckon as the now they're off this weekend so they've got that weekend now to take stock and get ready for the following get ready for the following weekend they need to win the next game because they will be relegated if, if they you know if, they, if they're in tr- they'll be in trouble if they don't win the next game um, but I think there was a very good performance against Dublin there were three points up going into injury time the referee played eight minutes of injury time I have no idea why the bottom line is Dublin got a free dead straight in front of the post and won the game so you can draw it on what you will Yes, and just to tell you that Jordan IU has scored the first goal of the Oliver Glasner era, as we'll now know it, at Crystal Palace. A superb goal. Uh, when Everton at the other end of the field prior to this should have scored, but Jordan IU held the ball up, turned his man, and rifled it to the bottom left hand corner. Palace won. Everton nail. Are Everton going to find out about their points Allegedly this tomorrow. But we'll get to that in the soccer section when, of course, we will also deal with another club who have a hundred, ten times more charges <laughs> and are still getting away with... with who are from Manchester, but are not United. Moving on, one little to Jordan Ayew, the score. <clears throat> moving to Rugby Union, lads, and uh, Connacht. Uh, one in Cardiff. Just about. Um, just about. Just, just about. Uh, again, a ridiculous sending off um, where nothing you got to play the game. And I'm not adver- advocating dangerous play, but people have to pl- to put themselves in the position if they're playing the game. Nobody goes out to intentionally headbutt a guy or the tackles. But my honest feeling, and I've been looking back at a lot of these sending off for alleged high tackle and head on contact and all this. There's a lot of them happening on games played in an artificial surface. Has that something to do with it? No. I'm going to back you up here. There's more injuries happening on artificial surfaces. Definitely more injuries, Adrian. But I think these... (laughs) There are, like. I might do with you, John. I don't know. Yeah. It's very hard to readjust. I think the nature of the surface underneath is not allowing players readjust. And if a guy... If the person in possession with the ball in any shape or form drops their shoulder to come to a lower level the person coming on at speed to make the tackle is put in an uncompromising position and I think that's what's stacking up a lot of these sending we've had more sending off sleds in the last this season than we've had for years well the other side of it is they are getting stricter on it as well like you know and they're getting very it seems to be any contact with the head at all is just going to be oh, yeah. Yeah. a red card so and, and I'm not condoning any contact with the head but I'm just speaking from but there are rugby incidents like, a rugby that may not spray and <laughs> yeah you know and it's not always but I suppose you're going into a whole thing there that world rugby is in that little bit of bother where they're just under serious pressure to deal with head injuries and there is and are issues coming up where you could see legal cases yeah, being taken yeah. being they taken are happening, John yeah, that's yeah. the problem yeah. Yeah. and, no, and, and that's the not, thing they're not directly um, 
regarding head injuries straight up in the game of rugby I union, think but they're coming from that time. I think it's a follow-on from what happened in the United States where American footballers, um, I think there was a class action suit against the NFL for, for guys who got um, head injuries and are then suffering extreme concussions and in some cases dementia. And I think the, what happened with World Rugby is they saw this got scared and said okay well we better do something to make sure that we don't get hit with the same kind of legal bill and that's what's leading us to what we're having and happening now there was something though and I don't know if you heard it on Saturday or not lads but it was mentioned a few times and to be honest with you this is a big bugbear of mine is the caterpillar this is the new rook where where it used to be the, where the scrum half be at the hind foot and he'd take the ball out now the guy who's at the back of the back of the mall or back of the rook He's there. Then another guy goes onto the back of him, and another guy goes onto the back of him. And it's like watching the human centipede. It's it's and the, the scrum half is five or six feet away from the from the rook when he actually gets to kick it. And William and uh, I have to say William and Alan Deegan and definitely <laughs> the boys well, there display this well, displeasure. And I agree it's with a, them. It's a, it's a case of the lawmakers making a simple game difficult, the way they're allowing things. And I think the best thing that the lawmakers could do for rugby union at the moment is give each and every referee a gum shield to keep their mouth shut because every referee you watch now <laughs> is attempting to referee the game. Yeah. Like, on, on Saturday evening in that game, the referee said on three occasions, do not touch at number 21, the, wing, the replacement winger for Cardiff. If the person is offside, let them be offsides. Like, telling a guy to take it out, if they tell them once... Let him take if he doesn't take it out from the base of the rook, penalise him. I think referees are now a lot of these referees are getting above themselves and that they think they're actually coaches and they're trying to tell the players what to do. Like this thing, stay on sides. It's absolutely ridiculous. Let the game flow and stop just trying to coach them. Could you imagine Danny if that happened in Gaelic football? I mean, oh. is, but I, I just think but are they not, are they, I just to put the other side of that now. Yeah. The referee's not trying to avoid blowing the whistle by warning them. But at the at the end of the day, the player is going out there to abide by the laws of the game they don't need a referee who's not coaching them to be telling them what to do stay on side if they go off side penalise them they won't be long learning but then you're yeah. going to have a load more penalties and it's going to slow but the game down it it may do it in the short term okay, Adrian, yeah. but I think in the long term players then will realise I cannot creep because the referee is going to penalise me. You got it. Was it always it, the hindmost foot and give yourself a half yard was it Italy and England a few years ago in Six Nations and Italy were doing something at the Rook and one of the English players was asking the ref and he just turned to him and was, I'm not your coach about how to, how to deal with this. Yes. You know, it's a, very yes, good, yes. And it's a very good line. You're saying, Do you know, that's fair enough. Like, But it's, I don't know, I understand maybe if there was, it's, I don't know, I, I'm a fan of communication from the ref in order to keep the game flowing. Is one thing, but I think trying to coach the game mm. out on the field of play is becoming very, very common within the game. And I think it's a case of the referees thinking that they're a lot more... Yeah. It's, it's a I'm not going to say it's attention seeking but it's something akin to that I think if the referee keeps quiet and let the players get on with the game it might get to a better flow in the game of rugby another thing an ex-Connacht man next part of the Connacht coaching ticket Dan McFarlane he's on borrowed time John in Ulster oh yeah uh, he made a few comments um, and he didn't give the ref didn't let off on the referee at all did he and uh, you know look he's been on borrowed time for a while I'll be honest Ulster's results for Dreadful now 
they lost to a fantastic drop goal against the Ospreys. That was amazing. But uh, he was he was referencing a couple of calls that went against them and even, and George, you're on social media, y'all are lads. I mean, some of the comments that were being made by his own supporters were yeah, the, pretty the, much the saying it was bad form. It seems to be that uh, the financial package that would, it would cost them but to remove yeah. the... I've, I've heard I've heard um, there's a story doing the rounds at the minute lads I want to get your thoughts on this because this actually has an effect on sport in general there is word that Ulster are letting 10 players go at the end of the season and there isn't money to actually replace them so this could have a this, you know there could be a serious knock on effect there if that is true and if that's if what's been reported is true but it but it, it could be reported as true but there's other like if you look at Munster the, how they're not in well, they are in financial turmoil because the money that's been wasted on the likes of Schneiman and all them, and he's gone off to Leinster for the IRFU to pay him for another two years mm-hmm. being in the country. And the money that, the what they have got for the amount of games they've got for the money they've paid. But I just think that Ulster, this is a personal opinion, are they becoming the Connacht of 20 years ago now? Oh, they didn't God. have a player involved in the international squad the last day. And the IRFU were tending to Connacht have supplied three members of the squad. You know, our Ulster, so because Leinster and Munster seem to be able to do what they like. Well, I'll ask this question mm. Are we being a little bit more shrewd than we've actually given ourselves credit for in Connacht? I'm not, that is a valid point, John, but I'm just thinking that our Leinster and Munster now it's now down to when it was a club of three, it's now down to a club of two because we see. Kilgallen going to Munster you know and it was been flagged up for a couple of weeks and now it's how does he play for Connacht for the remainder of the season how do the coaching staff pick Dermot Kilgallen when they know they're, they're not going to have him yeah. in eight months time less do you know it's, know. A, it's a tough one but I just think that the former club of three where Ulster Lindstrand Munster done with the leg is now done to maybe him. it's a club of three still but instead of us to replace with Connacht possibly <laughs> and I hope so but you know yeah. I think like whereas there's four proud provinces and we're all equal some are the old animal farm and edge or some are more <laughs> equal than others but it just strikes me that Connacht and to 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 a lesser extent Ulster are just being left aside and the well it's certainly from my uh, I, it looks like Leinster gets first call on whatever they want yes but then again and they are producing the majority of the players through their school system True, but they get them from anywhere they want. Yes. And, and then secondly, Munster. And then the question is, who's getting third call? Is it Connacht or is it Ulster? That's the. But Ulster obviously had outside help, Stephen Kitsoff, like the amount of money it took to bring him. Mm. And one wonders, have they already bought a pig in a bag? Because he's panned after the World Cup. And he had the games, a few games I've seen him, he hasn't really looked at it. Well, maybe it just takes time to settle in. John, John uh, you're, uh, t- <laughs> thanks, John. Re, you know, <laughs> for coming to the re- coming to the rescue. Uh, all our league stuff, John. Yeah, um, actually, we had a fascinating weekend of rugby. You had Galwegians game with Bangor that was called off at the very last moment. They had actually celebrated uh, one of their greats, Mick Casterly, and uh, with the pre-match meal and everything else, and then. I was actually here in studio going through my usual apps and next thing the game had disappeared off the off the screen for and this was a half an hour before kickoff. Yeah. Corinthians good win over Belfast Harlequins back in the hunt again. Uh semi final place is now all but secured. Save for Galwegians, it must be said. Uh Balna had a massive game against Middleton and lost it. 
uh, which was disappointing for them. But Sligo are kind of back in the hunt. Buccaneers, very high and low. More low than high these days, to be honest. Uh, and actually, I'm going to mention one of the big stories of the... And George, I know, but I'm going to say this anyway. Corinthians under-20s, top of the JP Fanagan League, unbeaten in nine games now. Uh, have won every single game including Dublin University twice who are the team in second place um, Anthony Leff he's done a fantastic job with Morgan Keneally as the coaches and uh, they are on the verge of becoming the first Connor team to win a Leinster title yeah well that's it's, it's all good which is, which is absolutely but again and I'm not, I, the thing is now to get them from under 20 but that's the thing the game. this is the gas part a lot of the Corinthians first team that played in the in the IL this year are under 20 they're the same bunch of lads who've been playing yeah, well, uh, well, both that, under 20 and, that, and senior that is, rugby. That, but that is what is needed because for too often we've seen the you know this is this is lad age mm. uh, you get to under 20 will I go travelling somewhere and then you lose a guy out yeah. of the game and there is and, it's and more Sean, so more so in this part of the world lads. and it's without Sean Nocton who's with the Irish under 20 side but who's been playing that half more and so in this part of the world there is the opportunity to shine at underage let's say you could become a late bloomer a guy that shines at this under-20 level uh, with that Corinthian team or whatever club he plays for, but to shine at that level, there is a pathway maybe to get into that Connacht set-up, maybe via the back door, but there just might be something that he could get into a Connacht Eagles team, play one of those games. And this is coming from the fact that the senior professional squad doesn't have that huge numbers that two of the other provinces have, the three other provinces have. And there is the opportunity maybe for a young lad, could be a prop forward, could be a second row forward, specialist position, that might just get into that and I just really hope that there's there's a couple there's a few lads even playing with Go-Egens like Sir Hugh Gavin and and, um, Tracy lad who are playing the Irish under 20 team at the moment and Hugh Gavin has been remarkable for for Ireland and for Go-Egens it has to be said he's he's brilliant it's his second year as an under 20 and he's outstanding and you know these are the boys that are the the future and even at provincial level for Connacht down the line I can see these guys all you know all making serious inroads and impacts as time goes on you certainly can as you said Galwegians honoured one of the greats in my view and not because he comes from the city centre and World War (laughs) but that man should have been capped for Ireland it was too significant that in the early 70s Fergus Slattery did not play in a final Irish trial of the Probables and Mick Cassidy was the only man from that team that wasn't selected on an Irish team. A wonderful forward, a man who's been a wonderful servant to the game. He got a great, uh, guy, he got a great reception. He's actually a brilliant picture of John O'Driscoll, um, who was there, Eric Dunn, the, cap, the president of, of Wegens, and Mick himself. I just thought it was a shame, a pity that the game wasn't played. It would have been. It, it would have been a lovely way of finishing. Because he'd have certainly, irrespective of ground conditions, Mick would have loved to have played. And his own son John, is, of course, has played and captain to Galwegians. And I do believe I heard today that a grandson of Mick Hassis was on a Castlegar underage hurling team recently that won some competition. I don't know the competition, but a wonderful sporting family. And as you said, Galwegians honoured Mick Cassidy, a wonderful, wonderful man. And definitely, when it comes to talking about the people that should have been capped for their country, Mick Cassidy certainly... And a final word on rugby, just to mention the Galwegians women had their table quiz on Wednesday night. Uh, Of course, they won the IL plate a couple of of weeks ago, getting ready for a very busy season. They've got a couple of big games ahead of them. They have indeed. We've got a break to take come back for the final part of the programme we'll talk about Galway United and what happens cross channel you're listening to Over the Line on Galway Bay FM the sporting sound of Galway 
And you're very welcome back to the final part of Over the Line with myself, George McDonough, John Mulligan, joined this week on our panel by Danny Cummins and Adrian O'Neill, and it has been brought to our attention on our WhatsApp 086 uh, 3833-3833-553 that Chris Coleman has been has distanced himself like he was being advertised this week like Bachelor's Beans that he was going to be the next manager of the Irish team after Neil Lennon more or less was told that he wasn't part who will manage the Irish team because we're going through potential candidates like Snuffet Awake and nobody knows what's going on I don't know do the people who are charged with um, finding a successor to the former manager have any clue what they're at and all this goes back lads you know all this goes back to the anointment when Mick McCarthy was there and we were told he was going to have two years yeah and then it was a strange one that time you know that they were manager appointed and the next manager appointed at the same time to come in whatever it was Stephen Kenny to to his respect was on a hiding to nothing because we were told he was getting the job what did Mick McCarthy have any ambition over the two years that he no. was there? One wonders, Stephen Kinney, you know, would he have got the job if Mick McCarthy had resigned? We don't know. He's a football man. He probably didn't have the experience. Everton have just equalised against Crystal Palace. It's now one apiece and it was a good, in a bit of a, an old-fashioned cross into the box and a good header and it's going to oh there may have been a foul on the goalkeeper good old Mr Ver can intervene but one wonders what's happening with that Irish team Chris Coleman now gone Neil Lennon gone there was a few other names thrown around and nobody see the guy who was a former manager I'm just trying to find it here uh, former manager of New Zealand apparently was also in the running but he's now also gone <laughs> Jesus we're going, down, we're going down the you list have a bit more, you have a bit more <laughs> had time on your hands John uh, maybe you might pick found for the job who knows but speaking of jobs and looking across channel we all knew that John Caulfield and Ollie Horgan as they said the job was going to get a lot tougher this season Galway United's return to the Premier League after an absence of what seven seasons took on cup winners Pats who themselves had a few, a fair few uh, on-field changes in the close season. But um, I would think that a huge crowd at Thailand part number one, which was fantastic. But I would think that uh, the better team won when on a night when maybe the majority of the people in attendance now realise that there is a fair gulf in what you're going to come up in Premier League action than what you did in First Division action last season. Yeah, I'm sure anyone that went to the Dyke Road was aware of that, I suppose, to a certain degree. But um, for such a big game and getting back into the, the that, that level of the league, I suppose, conceding an early goal was never going to be part of the plan. I think it was three or four minutes in, I think Pats got their goal, all right. So it was always going to be under pressure small. But after that, I know Steve Walsh got a red card near the end. I suppose it probably didn't matter as much um, whether it was a red card or not. <laughs> it's a different side of things. Well, but, for what you leave, believe, if you're led to believe that um, he gave a bit of mouth to the official with a penalty John was there I was watching on a screen at work uh, watched the, the game 
obviously I couldn't see it. John, you were there. You said it was a stonewall penalty. Right, right in front of me. and uh, It was a stonewall penalty, in my opinion. And uh, uh, I, and in fairness, it wasn't the first time that, that Stephen Walsh had been getting grief from the Pats' backs yeah. throughout the... Throughout, I mean, there was an incident earlier on, which I thought was an also a penalty. Referee waved it away. And he was just... You know, I think just frustrations got the better of him. But put, put, put your... Your kind of rea- realistic hat on, lads, as well. You go back to last season, everything was going well for them. You were winning games. You'll get those 50 50 chance. This time, you're possibly, you should be one would think, with a sharper set of officials in the Premier League. So you're not going to be able to get those, especially this early in the season. You'll probably find whoever's leading the league there at the end of the season will get those decisions if it was 50-50 at any other ground in the country. But it's back to the drawing board this week. Um, Dundalk away on that wretched pitch above an Oriel Park. But it's a game that they'll have to target to get something. And I think it will be a void defeat will be uh, central to their performance on Friday night. Well, any draw away from home is going to be welcoming. Like it is... It's a big jump up, you know. It's as you said, it's all well and good last season. You know, they're winning games. The momentum's behind them. Then it's going to be very hard to see them get a lot of momentum this year. It's all about kind of survival and picking up points everywhere they can. So, I think any away game if they can pick up a draw, pick up a point away from home is to be welcome. And they have to do their best to make AMDC Park uh, a fortress, like you know, and just make it as difficult as they can for teams. And I don't think, despite I know they lost and it was against a good same same Pat side, but they didn't get like they weren't beaten off the pitch or anything like you know they were there they're about okay they probably didn't create enough chances and that's probably a real cause for concern but other than that they kind of contain St. Pat's to a large extent so teams aren't going to beat them easily they're going to be up there they're about able to compete with the vast majority of teams in the league but it will be a matter of picking up those goals and getting a few more chances to try and get the wins that they need to stay up in the division but yeah I think the word you use survival uh, Adrian is a very very valid point and it's the number one because if you look a lot of the if you read anybody that read across the newspapers spectrum on Friday last and various pundits were given their look at how the league was going. Galway United didn't figure very much more out of the bottom three with any of these so-called pundits and knowing the management team Caulfield and Ollie they'll use that as the stick to beat the players let's prove them wrong but again, it starts with picking up points. You've got to go back to the drawing board. But the quicker you get a point on board, the better. One thing I will say, and I do believe, you know, you talk about injuries affecting performance. And I do believe regular groundsman Noel Connolly is out injured. I thought that pitch was a pretty rough condition on Friday night. Yeah. I have to call a spade a spade. Yeah, it was. But you have to also think, someone said that made the point, I think like there's been 200 games played on it. And remember, the ground is belongs to the Goya FA not Goya United yeah so, but it was a long term lease signed as well last week for 25 years so. look the, um, the the weather wasn't great either I'm, I am making excuses here but you I'll are. tell you one thing no I am but Noli Connolly in fairness to him the fact that he's injured he's, that's you know I, an off field injury him, could I, actually I be a huge him, part I saw him on crutches um, yeah but <laughs> because ground, he's won so. so many awards for that pitch oh, it's always like a carpet I yeah, it's amazing I love going there it's yeah. amazing that you know that's you wouldn't be in favour of an artificial pitch again, uh, George. You? <laughs> no, whatsoever. They should be banned from all. Four G, three D pick. Four G, three D pick. No, they should be banned from all from all uh, sports. In my view, I just think that they're 
I won't say a death threat, but Lord God Almighty, they could cause a, quite a lot of trouble. That's a lot of trouble, those pitches. Uh, the, the other games, they went as one would expect. You know, you look at Rovers, you know, that everybody's favourites to win another another league. But uh, Boas drawn away, drawn at home to Sligo. Derry City beat Rahadi United, Rahadi United, one of those teams that nobody knows what's going, what they're going to do. Rovers won all again to Dundalk, first game of the season. And Waterford and Shelburne. So, in a way, the three teams that featured in many people's thoughts about that area of the uh, table later on in the season were Waterford, Galway United, and Drogheda. Drogheda were beaten. Waterford threw. Dundalk threw. You know, it's not that bad, really, isn't it? As such, you didn't lose points to everybody. You didn't lose three points to everybody uh, on, on Friday night. But the next couple of games are good. And then again, in two weeks' time, we start with the Friday-Monday. And as Mark Ludden said in here last week in Ali Neary, that's what's going to test... Well, that tests the depth of your squad then at that stage. like you know, And that's where, that's where the top teams can kind of create that gap. You know, they can pull ahead a little bit because they are going to have way more strength and depth than, yeah. than the bottom. Not just going, I know we're talking about the Waterfords or whatever. Like it's As you mentioned earlier on, it's the momentum. Like if you put in a big performance on the Friday evening, like are you, you going to go out and get hockey 4 or 5 nil on Monday? Yeah, it, it, it's going to be, and it's it's going to be new to them as well. You know, it was it happened last year, but it was only when games were moved to Monday that was yeah. the way that that happened. Moving cross channel lads to the Premier League, it is one all as we go into ninety two. We're into two minutes of six minutes of injury time. I know I'm watching it on a an iPad, so that's going to be a minute or two behind everything, but it's one apiece as we speak. The Premier League, lads, um, 4-1 victory for Liverpool. Keeps them atop of the table. Um, Arsenal hammered Burnley back into a vein of form again. Arsenal, City drop points. And I don't know, with Klopp on his merry way at the end of the season, um, lots of people thinking that this could be the great farewell from rumours go around about Mohamed Salah maybe following him at the end of the season but I thought for the first time in a press conference after a game the strain is beginning to show he on looked Pep. tired on Pep. oh sorry, sorry. Clap. yeah Klopp <laughs> yeah Klopp has looked tired yes but you Klopp know one of his excuses to get out that's what the yeah, but when he has the fair like the aforementioned Fergus Slattery and Mick Cassidy would have been proud of the tackle that was performed on Ivan Tony, and still no penalty. But I thought for the first time in a post-match press conference, Guardiola was beginning to show a bit of stress and a bit of strain that things aren't all going well for him and they're not getting the rub of the green and this happened. Like Chelsea played quite well, I thought, against them. Yeah, they did, and it's like Chelsea are such a strange team at the best of times. Like they, I don't think they were playing all that well in the last couple of weeks. Um, but sure, I suppose it's easy for everyone to get up, to get yourself up for a Man City game or something like that. But especially when there's no atmosphere in the ground. Yeah, fair point. For, yeah, for the away, for the away team, it's quite easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look at as a Liverpool fan, I was delighted that they held them to one all draw. I better get that in there now, George, just in case you come swinging at me. <laughs> no, no, I would. <laughs> like, I just think that he, uh, well, it's Klopp, and I have to credit the man. Like, we talk about the seven years and all that, and which is my love of Liverpool as well or a lack of love for them let's say say, (laughs) but that's that's sport it's about opinions Ah, but I would admire Klopp for doing what he'd done in coming out and telling people he was going 
obviously he has felt the stress. He doesn't do more than seven years in a place. And maybe yeah. he has found he wants to just give himself a break. But what he... He has given a bit of clarity. The way he's done it, I think, as you say, as just... No, that can be... He's also using it as an inspiration to drive these fellas on, I think. Yeah. But all the speculation about who's going to be manager, it won't worry him. But he has given players, backrooms, uh, hierarchy, supporters, clarity. I've been... I know I've said over the last two or three seasons, I don't see Guardiola staying much longer at City. There's no challenge there now at the moment to him in the sense that he has done what they want to do they won the World Club Championship yeah. they won the European Cup um, they've won the Premier League numerous times they've won the double but does he see a picture going somewhere else and there's not many places he goes because he won't go unless he has money to spend but he just gives me that impression that he this season he is showing the effects and I think I would not be surprised if he moved at the end of the season yeah, I honestly, I actually wasn't thinking so much about Pep. It was just, we'll say, we'll say, working off Klopp's news. And I go back to your previous points as well. I do think there'll be a, a good few players leaving Liverpool this year. Um, Salah being one of them. Um, I, I, I do. So it, it could be a real change in the guard sort of thing. So the way he's kind of galvanised them for the rest of this season is yeah. is cahoots to him. Um, but yeah, maybe Pep, I suppose. I suppose with City every year, it's the talk of how many trophies they'll get. I thought you were going to say how many charges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, maybe, maybe, maybe he'll go before that all. We're after, that may be it. Where Omar Barahina is gone, he's gone to pastures proper yeah. across the city. Um, Dan Ashworth coming from Newcastle, he's been sent on guarded leave. Uh, there's That's no doubt. The ever, there's no doubt that yeah. Jim Jim Radcliffe, even though I was on the Qatar side of the bidding war, uh, he's been beginning to make a difference. But typical Manchester United yesterday went into a looked a comfortable two goal lead, and ended up I won't say hanging on, but um, I will say holding out. They missed. Just, they missed an awful lot. They should have been five one up. Adrian, there's yeah. no doubt. Here's a question: Is Highland the new Solskjaer? Um, no, because this guy actually works. Um, Solskjaer was a tap-in merchant. Who won the Champions League? He was a tap-in sure merchant. He was a tap-in merchant, <laughs> which is something actually Galway United, I think, need is a tap-in merchant. It's Solskjaer. Yeah. Yeah. Solskjaer or Ireland. But um, there's a bit of I know there was an old, much love between Sean Dyche and Ray Lewington at the end of this game. Uh, is there ever between Sean Dyche yeah, and anyone? anyone yeah. <laughs> but, Going back, there's the manager should be the Irish Going manager. back to that, no, I think Hoyland, he's raw, he's 21 years of age, he's not the finished article, but he's certainly given, and for the first time in a long while, United have a guy that can hold the ball up and bring other people into play, and it was very significant afterwards that his work rate was highlighted uh, for what he had done because the condition of his gear. But before we go... Adrian O'Neill was in here a couple of weeks ago and we caught him up to see that they say he thought that Mary would win the league. Uh, I, a few hiccups, but they're back on I side. know, I think, yeah, I know. They did a great win on Saturday. Monday. Overtime. Yeah, one of the most entertaining games I've been at in a while because it was actually quite tactical as well. It was very, um, it was a very enjoyable game and they came out on the right side of it. They probably needed that just to keep going. They've done, look, they've been playing very well. They did lose to Clorglin, but Clorglin from being bottom of the table are now going to be pushing up towards players because they've got in a new American they've got rid of their coach and they've just been playing phenomenally well since so 
Um, unfortunately, that's bad news for Mike Cullen uh, or Mike Quillen because they're now bottom of the Southern Conference and it's looking like a serious challenge for them now at the moment. And I was saying a few weeks ago, I did tip Mary to win the league. I still think, I'm still going to put them there. They're top of the table. They will be, they'll get the good draw going into the playoffs, hopefully. And I think they'll be there, thereabouts to win it. Um, but McQuillan are in a little bit of bother now after the results. Kilorglin getting those few wins. Um, has they won? And will it be a huge setback, Adrian? Or do you think it's something they'll be capable of bouncing it's, back from? It's very like when you look at who went down. Like the UCD Marion were a very strong side went down last year. They're struggling to get back up now. They might do it, but the, it's, it's not easy to get back up from Division One back up to the Super Ooh, League. Ow. So it would, it could be. Is it a case of having to make the bounce that the first year of the year you need to come back? It probably is. Yeah, it probably is. Now look, they're not gone yet. They're going to Clorgan in two weeks' time. If they beat Clorgan down there, then it's all back on the table again as to who will stay up and who will go down so they're not out of the races I don't want to count them out but just the way Clorgan are playing at the moment it's a huge task ahead of Mark Willen. so hopefully they can do they got the bounce James Kinnear being selected on the extended Irish squad on the Irish senior men's squad was a huge boost for them as well like he's only whatever 21, 22 um, so that was a good boost for Mark Willen as well like. and for basketball and for basketball in Galway in general a fellow came up through the youth yeah, sorry for Winston. Sorry, someone's just after sending me a clip from the um, Daytona 500 and there's been a horrific crash uh, featuring Austin Dillon and uh, let me see who's the other guy. He's Harrison. Um, anyway, they're both gone so they're out of the race. So, uh, That's where they basically drive around in circles, John. Yeah, left it's four left, four left <laughs> turns, George. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it's how like anybody, an could be, <laughs> anybody could be entertained like that. I know. Make a marathon billard session seems like a marvellous <laughs> occasion. Late, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. Danny, you're making your debut tonight. Adrian, as always, thank you very much. John Mulligan. And for myself, George McDonough, it's good night. And thanks to Dermot O'Connor on sound. We'll talk to you again on Monday next.